Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms. YouTube, go there, subscribe now. Do it right now. I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three. Open the app. Do it. Make it happen. The YouTube is doing very well these days. People are enjoying the content. We are in Victoria at the moment. One of my colleagues is there uh, giving you guys all the kinds of scrums that you need. Media availabilities. We love that kind of stuff. And to Mm -hmm. discuss with me today, the Toronto Raptors stat projections for all these great guys that they got. These top seven players that we all are so excited about because we've talked about everything else that we could possibly talk about with the Raptors. Let's do stat projections. I think that's kind of the last thing to do. S. Vandier, Barry Henney. Sir, the score. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Thank you. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure jumping on the show. You know, um, I, I got to say, as a person who is not in BC right now, it is great to be able to just go on the channel and see all the media availability. So I go. concur, good sir. Go ahead and, and subscribe if you need your your media availability stuff and content <laughs> and all that stuff. It's good. It's good work, man. It's good work. Yeah, my, my guy Kieran out there, he's doing uh, terrific stuff for the for the people. It's for the streets. It's for the streets. For the streets, for. yeah. For the streets. <laughs> the streets need it, and so we're going to provide it. Although I think uh, today would be the last day. Yeah, today's Friday, yeah. and then they're going to be yeah. off to Alberta, I believe, for their game on Sunday against Utah Jazz. Then the Raptors are really back, and now we're going to be doing this until April or something. Hopefully, May, yep. maybe June. Oh, boy. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. Uh, we can do that in the preseason. <laughs> But anyway, oh, listen, this is this is when we can do any kind of outlandish <laughs> yeah. take. Like, look, I'm, exactly. I'm out here stamping that Pascal Siakam could potentially be a top five player this season. Let's talk yeah, about it. Oh, we're going to get there. Don't you yeah. worry. But that was actually one of the biggest takeaways from Media Day and the availabilities that we've seen is that particular comment. I don't think he even realized how yeah. that would take off. And I think it was pretty innocent. Like, I mean, you want players to have ambition. They yeah. should want to be great. He's like top 20 something like that right now so why wouldn't you want top five but it's just saying it out loud through your mouth in a mic it's like it's just something it's going to mean something and people are going to make their opinions you're ridiculous you could do it i saw your video you can check it out people on the score we're going to talk about some of these things anyways but check out s's video he he looked at you know can pascal be top five is there like a real path to him doing that we're going to get to that stuff in just a second but other thoughts on media day and the other availabilities we've seen anything that's really caught your eye outside of lean van vliet <laughs> i, I think what's he does look <laughs> strong he looks he looks um spry is what i would call it you know yeah, like he just spry. looks like he's kind of like a little bit more energetic and and i don't know agile is agile the right word for it but um i think one of the main takeaways uh from training camp at least from the availability that i've seen and thank you for you guys for posting it up there for us but Salute. um yeah I, I think one of the main things is just the ambiguity when it comes to the starters uh there's not mm. really a big hint as to who is going to start i think the fact that he 
that Nick Nurse said or didn't say it was going to be the same starting five to begin with is kind of interesting and leaves it open to interpretation. You know, this is like the end of Inception. Is the dreidel still spinning? Um, who's going to be the starting <laughs> five? Who's going to be that fourth guy? Uh, that fifth guy, excuse me, yeah. on the Raptors, uh, you know, starting lineup. Is it going to be Gary or Precious? And obviously that's something that's taken over among fans as well. Everybody talks about it. Everybody's been doing it. You know, I hosted a Spaces last week talking about it. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think fair points on either side. But that's that's one of the main takeaways I had is that, look, there's clearly some kind of decision-making process that's going into the starters. And it's not just hey, let's throw the same guys out there as last year. So it seems sure. like they're going to change some things up. Yeah, and I mean, I think also Nick was talking about that, you know, we have seven starters. There is different guys yeah. that could fill certain holes, and that speaks to the improved depth that they have this season. You have a full season of Thad. Uh, Chris Boucher has found himself. Preston Chua, who knows what he's going to end up being. Otto Porter Jr., a great addition. There you go, right yeah. there. Four bench players that you think are going to be in the rotation come playoff time. And that's a great asset to have. I mean, even when the Raptors had their championship run, they went eight deep tops. Like Norm Powell was that eighth guy, but it was Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet slash Danny Green, depending on the half. Mm -hmm. But that's it, right? And that's actually very common. But you really do trust that the Raptors can have nine guys they throw out there in a playoff game and you feel comfortable enough that they're going to be a positive impact players. That's terrific. After that, it gets a little bit dicey in a good way that you have so many players who are up and coming. Uh, Champagne, hopefully he makes the team. Donald Banton, Malachi Flynn, he's not a lost cause yet. You go down, keep on going down the list. Um, there's improved depth, and it's going to be very helpful because Lord knows the Raptors starters need to play less minutes. Um, again, another thing we'll get to in a second, but you can't have your entire starting lineup or at least the top four that I think we know the top four yeah. all like top 20 in minutes. It's just, it's not sustainable. And uh, I think that's going to change this season and it's going to present opportunities for other players. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing that came to mind for me is Nick nurse saying we're trying out three or four things. And most of the conversation with his media day availability, and he's done a few, you know, in Victoria, but it's been a lot about the half court offense that is the sore spot of the team. It was one of the, the probably the, the pain points of the entire franchise of yep. the fan base is like, how can they elevate this? Because their defense, it did sneak into that top 10, but there's so many glaring areas that they can improve. Just to give you guys a couple of numbers, they were 24th at free throw rate, 26th at the rim field goal percentage, 22nd at three point percentage, 27th in the effective field goal percentage and 16th in points per hundred possessions. Yeah. And they still were a playoff team. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so all these things tell you yeah. that they had to improve their half-court offense, their finishing around the basket, and all that kind of stuff. And so it was a huge topic. And I think they are looking to uh, expand things a little bit, try a few things out. And I think Nick Nurse, he talked about, you know, Scotty and, and Pascal mm -hmm. a little bit more on, on ball, Fred Van Vliet a little bit more off ball, catch and shoot, Savant, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, look, the fact that, and I'm just looking it up here on Cleaning the Glass, last year, the Raptors were 26th in points per half-court possession, which obviously brutal. is brutal. It's awful. Um, yep. you know. And the thing is, they weren't that great of a transition team last year, too, although I think the the take-foul rule and things like that and just you know having a couple more guys uh, depth-wise will help mm, with that. I think they'll be a better sure. transition team this year. But, I mean, the, the half-court stuff, and to your point with Nick Nurse saying he's introducing new things, there are ways that we've seen 
you know, people have written about it, um, of how they can actually make their half-court offense better. So I yeah. totally agree. I think that's a, a, an area of emphasis, and I think that kind of reared its ugly head in the playoffs as well, where they really struggled in the half-court to create anything. And, uh-huh. you know, they, they kind of relied a little bit too much on Gary Trent Jr. to be that release valve and try to get a shot, and obviously he wasn't 100% in the playoffs either. So it, it just didn't yeah. work out for them. They need some more options. They need some more looks. And I think, sure. man, one thing I'll say here, and I don't, I don't mean to get too long-winded here, but I think with, uh, I think with the Raptors in general, the team that they have needs a little bit more offensive structure. And Nick Nurse is a guy that loves to be free flowing. He loves yeah. to implement freedom of like, just be like, Hey, go out there and play to the principles that we have. But I do think the Raptors need a little bit more structure on offense, easy ways for them to get buckets. And, you know, I think through I'd, I'd say through the second half of the season, we saw them incorporate that a little bit more. Um, but I, mm. yeah, I don't know. To be determined. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. And the other thing that I wrote down here underneath all those stats that I said earlier was they need more roles in the offense. And I yeah. think that would really help things out. We're going to get to the, the roles aspect, I think is going to be a reoccurring theme in this podcast. Um, but it's really important just so there's less randomness. Randomness is good. The reading reacting on, on offense is it, it's a fruitful way to get offense because again, it's random, right? Yeah. And if you have so many players that can do so many different things, you know, sometimes they're a pick and roll ball handler. Sometimes they're a screener. Sometimes they're a shooter. That's very good, but you got to have the players that can actually do it. They have to be able to hit threes. They have to be able to make good decisions in the pick and roll. Not that the Raptors run a lot of pick and roll. Hopefully that changes this yeah. upcoming season, yeah. but it's structured as you're, as you're talking about, um, it would be very helpful. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of it. Let's move to Pascal Siakam when it comes to stat projection projections for what he could be this upcoming season. I'm going to look at his post all-star numbers instead of his full season as our first launching point, because I think it's a better representation of what he's going to be this upcoming season. So post all-star break 24.5 points per game, 49% shooting on 19 field goal attempts, 33% from three, uh, eight rebounds, five assists. Quick trivia for you, sir. Do you know the six players outside of Pascal Siakam who averaged seven rebounds and five assists last season? Six guys. Um, more than seven assists, uh, seven yeah. rebounds. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, seven and yeah. seven plus, five plus. Yeah. Uh, Jokic. Yes. Uh, LeBron. Yes. Luka. Yes. Um, you said seven guys. Six, uh, six, six. Oh, six guys. Let's see who else would be there. Maybe Brandon. In- maybe Brandon Ingram. Brandon no. Ingram. No. no. Um, let's see who else. Who else could be in this conversation? Lamelo Ball. No. No, um, no. I'm trying to think of guys who get both rebounds and assists on a on a good yeah. basis here. Um, let's see, LeBron, Jokic, obviously I said Luca. Yes, um, Chris Paul. I highly no. doubt that. No, no, um, he did not. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. Don't think okay. too hard about it because uh, some of these are a bit more obvious than you might think. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's say. Um, I don't know, man. Giannis. Giannis is another Ford. one. Yeah. Giannis yep. is another one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Embiid. Joel Embiid. No, no. no very Embiid close. He was very seven. close, though. He didn't okay. have, he had 4.2 assists. So okay. it was very close. I'll you. give you the last two. Um, sure. You were very, very close. Kevin Durant, Paul George. 
Oh, okay. Nice. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's six. Yeah. And Pascal Siakam is the seventh in that category. I made it seven assists instead of eight, so I could include Kevin Durant and, and Paul George. But if yeah. you make it eight rebounds and five assists, it's LeBron, Giannis, Luka, Jokic, and Pascal Siakam. So <laughs> those two, those two right there, I don't think they're going to change. I think he's still going to be doing eight rebounds yeah. a game. And I think five assists could be the number that we're looking at overall, if he's going to be more of a primary option, which yeah. I mean, on the season, he averaged 17 field goal attempts. But in that stretch that I'm talking about post all-star break, it was 19. You mm-hmm. could see it going up, better shooting, better catch and shoot opportunities, better players hitting those shots, that kind of stuff that does matter. But I think, you know, 24.5 points is a reasonable number. If he's hitting that for the entire season, that would be a huge point of progression because like, you know, he's very good in a lot of areas. It's like within the margins, he has to improve. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of those margins is obviously the better three point shooting and free throw shooting. Um, Look, getting to the rim is something that he is extremely good at. And if he can, he obviously gets calls. If he can nail let's say three or four more free throws a game that's yeah. going to bring his bring his free throw number up it's going to bring his points per game number up so i could see yeah. that easily the one thing i'll say about pascal is i really do think his assist numbers will go up this year um, sure. he's been hovering at around what about five ish for the last two seasons as a primary guy but now with you know nurse saying there's more emphasis to get him on ball more mm-hmm. and have fred off ball more obviously having scotty in there as well is, is gonna maybe limit him a little bit but I think no, there's there's no kind of dispute that Pascal's the primary ball handler for this sure. team now. I think that will come with more assists. Um, yeah. So I could see him having like a a twenty five eight and seven type of season if that free throw number goes up. Obviously, the rebounds will probably stay the same, and you yeah. know the the assist kind of upticks maybe two assists sure. more a game. You know what I mean? The assist percentage will be way better this mm. year though. Do you think 19 shots a game is the sweet spot for him? I I think he could probably get up more. Um yeah. I mean I am not I'm not sure. I think that varies throughout the season and obviously we're going to talk about it, but there's guys who are going to end up taking up taking more shots this yeah. year, right? Um so I I have to see how it plays out. I think 19 to like 20, 21 is probably the sweet spot for him. Right. In that range kind of makes sense you know, in terms of like how many minutes he's going to play also, what kind of lineups he's going to play in. That's that's the huge aspect here. But yeah, I think, look, he'll probably be... The other thing is, just to add on to this, he shot 42% on corner threes last year, um, which is, is in my opinion, it's just wild to think about. If they can mm-hmm. figure, figure out a way to get him in the corner more, um, and that's a sweet spot, and you have like Scotty create, you know, kind of have him open on the corner... That's a couple extra points. That's improving his three-point percentage. So, you know, if that happens and, the, you know, we talked about new yeah. wrinkles, if that's one of the new wrinkles that Nick Nurse is going to be incorporating, maybe we'll see an uptick in the three-point percentage too. It would be terrific for him. That's for sure. If we saw yeah. that uptick, I think it's something that has to happen. If he wants to be, you know, a top five player, you can't be a person that is a liability. And he was pretty good. Like catch and shoot threes last season. He was 36%. That's a pretty good number, yeah. but you know, the left corner, 64.7%, the right corner, 36% above the break. 
This, I think, is an area where we might need to see some changes. If he wants to become that guy, he shot 31.4%. And you look at dudes like Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, guys who are like inching themselves into being the top five. I mean, Luka's probably already there. Uh, Kevin Durant, they're around 35, 36%. And the larger question we get to is the pull-up three, um, when he's a ball handler in the pick and roll. Are teams going to be okay with just slipping underneath screens and just letting him shoot the shots because they, they're not really that confident that he's going to make it. Can he make that switch? We are talking like four or 5% jump. That's yeah, a pretty a significant. Jump. It's a really big one. And I don't think he's going to get to there necessarily, but 31.4 is a little bit low. And just the way it's going to diversify his offense and make him a threat. If he's able to be a competent above the break shooter, it's such a game changer. And even just like the pull-up shot from three, those aspects, those are easy points that he's kind of leaving on the table. Um, and we'll see if he can really up that up a little bit, you know? Well, even even just taking that shot more. I think he, yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember checking this out a couple of days ago, but he maybe only attempted one a game, like two a game from above 25, the break. well, sorry, uh, I'm looking at th- uh, pull-up threes, 35 yeah. pull-up threes last season. Total, Th- total, yeah. right? And he shot yeah, 25.7% so- on it. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, if he were to just attempt more, it's going to keep the defense honest yeah. at least to be able to contest some of those shots. I mean, yes, they're going to go mm. under a majority of the time, but they're going to they're gonna press him a little bit more if he's attempting sure. more of them, right? So I, I, think it, I think it is about keeping the defense honest and like just throwing up a shot here just to see what you can get out of it. And on top of that, he's obviously had uh, an improved mid-range game. The long mid-range, the short-range area, those are two areas where he's mm. like really refined his game. Yeah. I think that I think it that like doubling down on that is going to be huge as well. It's like just yeah. be very good in the mid-range area like a Kevin Durant, like a Paul George, be that no fluid guy who can get to his spots in those spots yeah. in those areas. In the paint, non-restricted area, he shot 50%. A pretty yeah. good number, but there's room for growth there. Restricted area, 66.8. And then a mid-range, 35.8. So again, these are good numbers, but yeah. if you want to become that guy and the free throw percentage, the three-point percentage, th- even those alone can get him to 24 points per game, right? Yeah. But if you want to get to like 26, 27, something crazy like that, those areas specifically with improved spacing, less crowded. He's not going to be guarded by five players that we, as we yeah. saw many times, yeah. Yeah. especially in that 76ers series, holy smokes. Um, it's going to help him quite a bit. And I wonder if we are going to see a little bit more pick and roll, maybe not him as the ball handler, maybe, but even as a role man, role man. And we'll get to like, mm-hmm. you know, a Fred, a person who's got such gravity at the three point line, he can hit shots from 25 feet, that kind of stuff. But those kinds of little wrinkles too, he shot one. He got one point three nine points per possession as a role man last season. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, he was incredible. That was, by the way, yeah. that was the best of all the things that you can kind of go and look at on NBA.com. He's he's decent as a pick and roll ball handler. Uh, he's pretty good on the catch and shoot, uh, cutter, etc. But the best mm. was him as a role man, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like in that short range area, especially when teams are going to play drop on you. Yeah. That is, he can just annihilate a defense in that type of scenario. So, look, if they do end up right running more pick and roll, just in general, I think it's going to help a guy like Pascal who has be- gotten better at his manipulation and pick and rolls, especially as the ball handler, but even as a roll man, short roll guy, making passes to the corners, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it just opens up so much more for him to do. So, yeah, I agree. If, if they increase their pick and roll percentage, then it'll help Siakam a ton. Yeah. Anything else on Pascal, or should we move to the reigning rookie of the year? Let's do it. Let's talk about Scotty. 
Giddy up. All right. Last season, 15 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 49% shooting on 12 field goal attempts, 30% from three. Yeah. Now off that, we know Nick Nurse has said it uh, more on ball reps for him. He wants to be a point guard. Scotty views himself as the next, next <laughs> magic Johnson. You got to love it. Um, <laughs> what do you think his season's going to look like uh, in his sophomore year? So, I think this is what fans are looking forward to the most in terms of what kind of jump he can make. Um, You know, a lot of people have brought up like, you know, point totals and rebounds, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of landed at this. I think he he probably ends up averaging about 18 points a game, probably gets the same amount of rebounds, maybe a little bit more. And I think his assist number goes up to about five. So it'll be 18 eight and five that will be pretty damn what, good which yeah. is pretty damn good man which is really really damn good and like that is one heck of an improvement i think obviously improving the again like pascal improving the three-point percentage the free throw percentage is a huge thing i think mm-hmm. he you know from the press conference uh the media day press conference he mentioned it a bunch but he's been working on his pull-up jumper and the catch and shoot jumper a lot yeah. more um and you know obviously we can't take everything with Rico Hines, uh, the runs, you know, with, with kind of thing, but it, it, it it was good. It looked good. The jumper looked more fluid. You know, Mm. you obviously had a podcast talking about the evolution of Scotty's jumper. So I, I think there is, there is reasons to believe that his jumper will be better. And there, there are reasons to believe that, you know, his percentage in those areas will be better. I think he'll be a better catch and shoot guy. Obviously, we saw in game six against Philly, they were just leaving him wide open and daring him to take those. Brutal. I don't think it will be that yeah. type of thing anymore for him. I think he has improved in that area. That was a very big learning lesson for him. Uh, so, yeah, I would say those are the areas I, I, I think he improves statistically. Uh, but obviously, I think he gets better as a defender. I think he gets better. Uh, and he's obviously looks stronger. So he's going to be even more physical than he was last year. But those are outside of the statistical yeah. categories of development. I think statistically what I said probably probably makes sense. But what do you think? Well, first off, the body you're talking about. So he is much stronger. And yeah. the Kawhi comparisons are crazy. I posted a clip from Media Day. Um, and I didn't even make the connection either. But when he was walking in to do his presser, he did this chin scratching thing. Yeah. Just like Kawhi. And people were going crazy <laughs> saying, he is becoming Kawhi. Look what he's doing. He's doing the, the, the chin thing and he's got the muscle and everything like that. I'm just like, yo, oh you guys are crazy. God. That's crazy. It's like he planned it or something like that. Like, no, yeah. probably not. Um, <laughs> I think you're I think you're on point with a lot of this. The rebounds, I thought maybe they go up to like eight or something like that. Because if he is going to be exploring more as being the the ball handler and coming up the court with it. Probably there's going to be cases where simply he's just going to be able to grab the ball and go. And Nick yeah. wants him to do that. He wants OG to do that. We'll get to OG in a second here. Um, but just that alone is probably going to help him get a few more rebounds, but then maybe the offensive rebounds dip a little bit because he mm-hmm. could be, you know, used as a three point shooter more and maybe less in the dunker spot. That's going to come down to roles, right? Is, yeah. is Scotty going to have more of a defined role instead of uh, being more of a, a reactionary player on the offensive side he was it was fruitful it was good because he made a lot of smart decisions and he's very good with the ball um i would imagine the turnover go up a little bit because he is going to be you know handling the ball more but uh other than that his highest assist points assist per game month was march he had 4.3 
And that was when, you know, Fred was mostly out. I think that's a reasonable number two, but five, I think it's there for him, you know, and especially if the Raptors want to use him more in short roll situations, go screens with OG and Pascal. We talk about funk, like let's get really funky with this. I want to see Pascal Siakam set a screen for Scotty Barnes, right? He's got those sight lines that are so unique for a player with his skill set, and he's got the passing ability to do it. Um, So those are easy ways you can see him, you know, making those law passes, the kick passes while he's driving. And if he's getting more rim pressure, the Raptors need it. God knows they need more players who can get just get edges on defense and get Absolutely. in the paint. Yeah. And he's probably the second best player outside of Pascal. There's a huge drop off after Pascal, but Scotty probably is the next up to in, in terms of being able to get the defense collapsing. Well, also just like creating something. Uh, I think Fred is is good uh, as well in that scenario. But in terms of like the size and athleticism needed to be Mm. in there with the Giants uh, in the paint and try to create something at the rim, Scotty and Pascal are are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. Sure. Um, I think with with Scotty, one of the more interesting things to look at statistically, and you, you brought it up, is the fact that like, Yes, he's going to have more on-ball reps, so we could also see the turnovers go up a little bit more because obviously he's still young. He's still trying to figure it out. There will be nights where, oh, he has four turnovers because, you Mm -hmm. know, he just, you know, the defense is giving him something that he wasn't necessarily prepared for. That's probably going to happen. It's the growing pains of what you see with a young star. But I think the, the definition of his role will be a lot more clear because of the fact that they've they've already said this, like Fred will be playing off ball more. And I could see Scotty running bench lineups as the point guard. I could see it being, you know, Scotty, Otto, Gary, Precious, and Boucher. And that's like that's your bench lineup. I know it's just technically one starter or Gary. If you if you're counting Gary as a starter, that's two starters. But that's that's a really fun bench lineup to have. Maybe you throw that in there sometimes to add a little bit more of a connective juice. But having Scotty there to create for that lineup, that should increase his his usage rate. Not only that, but you know, obviously the assist percentage and and everything that comes yeah. with it, playmaking wise. And again, this goes back to the roles thing that we that's going to be again coming up quite a bit. Is how do they want to use Scotty Barnes? Like how on ball is on ball? Is he going to be like the de facto pa- backup point guard, or yeah. does Malachi Flynn get some minutes there? Um, could we see Gary Trent Jr. OG and I know we get more on ball reps where they're not the point guards necessarily, but maybe they are. Maybe they are running a little bit more of the a bench lineup with some of the guys that you just mentioned, right? Do they want to explore that? Do they trust OG with that responsibility? He said it in kind of that he wants more, more, uh, a bigger yeah. role in the offense. I mean, he kind of did, he kind of didn't whatever, but for him, for his progression in his NBA career, you want to become like, you know, expensive, a really expensive NBA player, the mm-hmm. cap's going up. You want to get to 25 million a season. He's going to have to show that he's got some on ball reps and he's can able to create in different sections of the court and not just be a catch and shoot guy and a dunker. Right. What about that mid in between area? Can you, can you capitalize there? That's a difference for him. And I'm sure he wants to explore that as well. So that's another thing that nurse is gonna have to figure out. It's a great problem. A lot of good problems here. It's a good problem Um, to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And on the uh, catch and shoot threes last season, 29%, he shot 37% on pull-ups. He loves his pull-ups. Like you said, Mm -hmm. um, Brian Mackin, his trainer, dude I spoke to during the offseason, the conversation around how Scotty could improve offensively was just being able to bait and lure the person that's guarding him into exactly what he wants. 
right? Yeah. And that's becoming more cerebral with your offense. Like Pascal Siakam has done himself, right? That's the next step for Scotty because the the shots may not always be there. Like he shot what it was 12 field goal attempts. Yeah, 12 field goal attempts last season. It could go up a little bit, but it's not gonna go up by 10, right? Um, that's just not the nature of the beast here, but he can be get, become more efficient. Like he shot 49% last season. Maybe that gets to 55 or something like that. Right. Yeah. Where he's, where his shots are skewing, you know, towards the basket from the dunker spot, he's hitting his threes. He's got his pull-ups. He's executing when it comes to mismatches. And there you go. He can get to 55%. The, the growth is going to be there. He's going to be better. There's no reason to think he won't be, um, yeah. but it's like how much and how many shots is he going to get? That's my biggest question. Yeah, they they haven't even, you know, when you, this is another kind of takeaway from media day and training camp, but they haven't even really mentioned what they expect from Scotty. And I think that's on purpose. I think yeah. it's, you know, no expectations. Just go out there and be what you can be. Let's see how far you can really take it. Just be all that you can be. <laughs> be all that you can be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to be king. You know, like, the, yeah, just just go out and do whatever you whatever you think is possible. Yeah. He's such an imaginative player player. Um, and he just plays with such freedom that it's like they don't want to tamper with that. They don't want to mess yeah. it up and try to corner him into one thing. Go and figure out who you're going to be through these next 82 games. You know, so yeah, he actually is Simba. Yeah, he really, he really is. is. He really is Simba. I listen. Run with that. Let's run with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about this because we've been we've been calling OG Ananobi Prince Ananobi. Fair. He's also getting kind of older. He's obviously very young. He's like twenty four years old. But the prince is he still a prince at twenty four years old? True. True. Yeah. Right. And like, what do we call Scotty? Is he like he can't he can be Simba, I suppose. But is does he become the prince? Or does he become like the the loved child? Does he become the new child? Is he your only born child? I don't know. Yeah. There's something there, but we got to figure that out. We got to figure it out. We're good. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, the prophecy, yeah. what the prophecy foretells. We got to go in our Game of Thrones bag and see, you yeah. know. I'm thinking of Wu Chang now when he said prophecy. The prophecy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Triumph? Yeah. 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 Lyrically performed on robbery. Flee with the lottery, possibly the spotted. Let's go, big yeah. dog. I see you. I see you. I see Wu Tang, you. man. Hey, my 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 walk-in song for my wedding was Ghostface Killer. Really? Yeah. Damn. Shimmy. I shimmy, love shimmy, it. Yeah. Shimmy, so, shimmy, yeah. Shimmy, yeah. 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 That's that's my jam. Hell okay. Yeah. Shifting to another guy who's got some shimmy to him. Okay. Nice. Fred nice. Van Vliet. Last Segway season. Segway King. Segway Ooh. King. I like it. Talk to me. Talk to me. Uh, last season, it's like a tale of two seasons for this man, but overall yeah. for the whole season, 24 point, 20 points per game on 38 minutes, 40% shooting, 37.7% from three, 4.4 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 1.7 steals, 0.5 blocks. I include those for him because they matter. Yeah. The stocks, right? Yeah. This man's a king at it, right? Is it a block? Is it a steal? I don't know, but it all goes to the, the, the stocks category. Um, one thing I want to mention is that he shot on the season 43% on catch and shoot threes on 4.6 attempts. Pre All Star, pre All Star, he was at 47%. So before he got hurt, he was at 47%. That is Joe Harris territory. Okay. That's yeah. a very good number. And the Raptors are doubling down on that. Talking roles, how can we get the best out of all of our players? Fred Van Vliet is an unbelievable shooter. Let's 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 use, let's use that. Let's use that aspect. <laughs> yeah, I, Fred is, in my opinion, the toughest to gauge what his numbers will look like yeah. this season because we know the role is changing. How much the role changes is who knows 
you know, it could be like, yeah. you know how last year the rule change happened and everybody was like, oh my God, what is James Harden and Trey Young going to do? And by the end of the season, it didn't matter because they just went back to what the <laughs> rules were. It, yeah. I, there really is a case for that to happen with the Raptors where like, look, maybe at the beginning, Fred isn't playing as much minutes. Maybe his minutes are down to 35 or 36 minutes a night. But when, you know, push comes to shove and they like, like Nick Nurse said in the, in the huddle, you know, they have a close game in Miami. Are we going to push Fred and yeah. play him that extra two minutes when he should probably get a rest? It's not going to be up to them at that point. Fred is sure. going to want to play. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much his role changes. I think that will be something that is progressing throughout the yeah. season and it will be ever evolving. But that being said, you were 100% right. They're probably going to set him up for more catch and shoot threes. We talked yeah. about structure. I think there will be more structure in finding him open off the catch. He's yeah. a great relocation shooter as well up there with the Steph Curry's in terms of relocation. Yes. As crazy as that sounds, he is that good at that. Um, so yes, like there's, there's definitely going to be more opportunity for him to improve his three point percentage even more. I think yeah. maybe by that nature, his point total goes up, but then you know, if the usage isn't as high, then maybe his yeah. point total stays around the same. I could see him having a very similar statistical season. What you see yeah. now is probably what you'll see, but it'll be just the fact that it'll it'll be through a different source. He'll yeah. be finding his shots in a different way. And yeah. I think that's that's the main thing to take away from here. It's like, look, his role may be changing, but I think his effectiveness will be sure. around the same. Hell yeah. And the field goal percentage at 40% last season, I think that's going to go up because again, the shots are going to be different. True. He won't have that stretch like he had last season where he was the primary everything, right? When the injuries hit and granted, that's when he really boosted his all-star candidacy, but the field goal percentage dipped down quite a bit and he was asked to do things around the basket, um, put pressure on the rim and finish there. He just wasn't ready to do that necessarily. The The lean version that we're seeing now, I always wondered if that was something that was going to help him get to his peak because he was always in shape. That's not what we're talking about. It's kind of like the, the Kyle Lowry conversation is like, what is Kyle? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, what is your best version of yourself? Because Kyle, like you could say his best season was 2019-20, right? Yeah. And that's when he wasn't like the 2016 version. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
necessarily, but he was very good. Like that was his prime form, right? So now mm-hmm. is this going to be where we see Fred's best form? Like he doesn't necessarily have like the explosion. He doesn't have the leaping ability of like a, a bobcat. Yes, I saw a National Geographic video yesterday <laughs> and I saw a bobcat do a leap and then I'm still like, reeling off of it. That, <laughs> it was, that's it a was wild insane. comparison. I'm I know, like, all right, I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> National Geographic, man. They got some crazy stuff. Um, he doesn't have those. So like just getting like those little, little, it's kind of weird to talk about a player's body, but like the small margins within your body, like getting a little stronger, yeah. a little bit leaner. Can that help him get a little bit faster because he doesn't have the explosion that we're talking about or in the traditional sense, like he, he's not, he was never as bouncy as Kyle. He will never be mm-hmm. as bouncy. It's just different body types, but he can get a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that's going to help him around the basket. And also, you know, like when it gets to just coming downhill in the lane and finding your groove and knowing where the ball has to go, he's very good at that. It's just at the rim, it's not the best, but yeah. he knows exactly where the ball has to go in most cases, right? He knows how to, he, those kick those kick passes that he makes. They're always on the tape. He's a very smart player. You talk about relocating on shots. Like that takes intelligence, basketball IQ, understanding offenses, reading the defense, and he can do all of that. So better opportunities around him for, for assists, better shooters, the pick and roll. We get back to it. Keep on getting back to it. Him as a pick and roll ball handler. It's yeah. proven to be fruitful. He, uh, he averaged uh, 0.7 point uh, pick and roll possessions last uh, last season and uh, in those possessions 0.93 points per possession that is better than uh, CJ McCollum that's better than LaMelo Ball that's better than give me my money Tyler Hero okay <laughs> better than all of them right yeah. and there's something there I saw you were talking about uh, James Wiseman and how good he was in that j- uh, game with Japan right and like how does that happen because you got Steph Curry Right. And not taking anything away from James Wiseman. He's better. That's all good. But when you have a shooter like Steph Curry that everyone is opens frightened up. of, right? Mm-hmm. It opens up everything. Now teams have to switch. Now James Wiseman has like a little mini small fry on him. Go to work, young man. Right. Yeah. That kind of stuff matters. And you have Fred who can now shoot from 25 feet. <laughs> he is going to extend the defense. He's going to give teams fits at times. And you have, you just have to do that this season. That has to go up. Fred is the guy on the team that, every defense is going to respect his shot. I think there's it's probably him and OG that will get the heavily contested, you know, they're going to be on in their chest type of co- contest. Yeah. And I think that's the it's a huge reason you have to leave them on the court or at least stagger their minutes and kind of split them up so that one of those guys is on the court almost all the time because uh-huh. you need that type of player spacing it out, right? Even if they're on ball, now they draw so much attention. That's the reason you need a guy like Fred, a guy like OG that can kind of space things out for you and and be that be that shooter, be that threat. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think it's going to be an interesting season for Fred. I'm not sure how it does statistically. Maybe he ha- still has an All Star type campaign. Who knows? But yeah. you know, question mark, question mark, question mark with him. In my opinion, in terms of role, at least we don't know, right? Sure, sure, sure. And then the steals and blocks, um, point attack, point of attack defender. He's one of the best at it, scrambling within the Raptors' defense. He is possibly the best at it outside of OG and Anobi, who we're going to talk about after this. Um, maybe he's better than OG. It's a good problem. They're both very good at it. Um, so you can see some of those numbers maybe changing a little bit, uh, just as he has more energy. And he's he's expelling more of his body and his energy towards that end of the, bas- uh, end of the court because offensively, less on-ball reps. Um, that was the last thing I was going to mention about him. Um, and maybe that helps their defense. 
solidify itself into the top 10 and not like hover yeah. around, you know, 11, 10, like be in that top seven or so. Yeah. Okay. OG and Anobi. This is a fun one. The guy that wanted to be traded then said on media day that I'm not really sure where that came from. Um, never expressed that. Just woke up one day and apparently I wanted to be traded. Never said that. <laughs> Didn't tell Nick Nurse that I was dissatisfied with my role. None of that happened. It came from someone. I think we all know who. Anyway, uh, OG last season, 36 minutes, 17 points, 44% from uh, the field. That was a 4% dip based off the last season or pre- uh, season prior. 2.6 assists, doesn't really matter as much. 36% from three, 1.5 steals, 0.5 blocks. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. same amount of three-point shots for him uh, based off the season prior, but his two-point percentage went down a little bit naturally as he has some stretches where he was more of the, the primary option, the uh, beginning of the season, the Sveem Hiluks, all that kind of stuff. He was playing with a lot of players that <laughs> weren't playing at the end of the season, yeah. and some of them aren't on the team anymore. So that affected his numbers a little bit, but yes, OG Ananobi, sir, your thoughts. I think obviously one thing we saw was the more on ball reps for him, uh, which, you know, probably upticks his assists a little bit. Um, Mm. I could see that happening. Uh, The other thing I would say is I I think we'll probably see a bit of a percentage dip again um, in terms of field goal percentage and just percentages Mm. in general, because if he is getting more opportunities, uh, to expand his role, there's obviously going to be these trials and tribulations that he goes through where he might struggle once one game, you know, he might be successful in another game. Obviously, a lot of people remember that New York Knicks game where he just went ballistic. Uh, on Julius season. Randall. On Julius yes, Randall. Yes, on Julius Randall. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was that was a huge game for him and, and like the success and the strides that he's made as a player. So, look, yeah. there are going to be games like that. And then there are going to be games where he struggles. And, I think that's just the growing pains you have to go for for a player who's still trying to figure out like how good can he be, um, yeah. you know. So I I think there will be some percentage dip there. I think especially with his attempts probably increasing. That's that's sure. something I could see for sure. Uh, in terms of like role and is he going to be a catch and shoot guy more? Is he going to be more of a pull up guy? Remains to be seen, right? If he if if the role that he had in the offense last season, and obviously being healthy is going to be a huge part of this, but um, if the role that he had last season, which was more of a catch and shoot guy, especially when Pascal came back and Scotty started to get into full form, you know, yeah. camp out in the corner, be our floor spacer. If that's his role, I think we'll probably expect a similar type of season, maybe a little bit more efficient. Hmm. But if he does get more on ball reps, if he is getting more opportunities which Nick Nurse talked about in media day and training camp, then yeah. yes, I could see a percentage dip, but an increase in the point. So it could be like a 25 and three season for OG yeah. versus a 17, five and two and a half yeah. season. You know, I could see something like that, but yeah. Yeah. And that gets back to, again, Fred Van Vliet is like, what is his role? Is it truly going to be like a lot of catch and shoot? How much on ball is he going to have? Does OG get some of those reps? Him averaging 20 points per game, which he did for a stretch last season. Um, obviously, he was higher on the totem pole when it comes to the offense and distribution and things of that nature. But that would be a massive accomplishment for him. And even just his his catch and shoot percentage returning to around 42%, which is where I think he should be. That's where his sweet spot is. It dipped down to... 39% and he was even lower for mm-hmm. a little while that when you know his thumb that thing happened he was playing through injury and his numbers dipped quite a bit there um but then just you know when it comes to uh scoring in the restricted area 
65%, very good. In the paint, non-restricted, that's where it gets tougher. So we're looking at floaters, jump hooks, your, your footwork in those small margins. And from there, he was at 35%, a huge dip in terms of just like a small fraction of the court. And you go down by like, you know, nearly 30 or 30%. Yeah. Um, elevation there, improving his, his finishing ability, his confidence down there, like being stronger with the ball, because I find sometimes when he gets there, that's when his, he just loses his strength right around the, around the basket, like under the rim, he can bully people. We saw it yeah. nonstop, but in those areas, and again, we're talking spacing with the Raptors. It's going to help him quite a bit. I did a video about this a couple months ago when I was just like, what the hell do I talk about? The off seasons here, what do we do? And I mm -hmm. looked at how can the Raptors help OJ and improve his, his game, uh, reach a new ceiling. And that was one of the things that came up, obviously is just like more on ball reps, more time with the uh, with the second unit along with yeah. a few shooters that chris boucher uh, Otto porter jr precious achua and then just letting him cook a little bit that's your cooking time that's your window mm -hmm. those five minute stretch beginning of the second Take quarter over. whatever the, yeah. yeah whatever this whatever the case is like show us you can do it and i think that's going to help them actually be a much better team come playoff time too yeah i agree with you i absolutely agree with you here and i think the the one thing with og to keep in mind is like he was such a good post player last year uh so samson good. samson has written about that a bunch uh you yeah. guys should go check that out but like he he was playmaking through the post he was obviously bullying in the post a lot if that's something they want to access more as him as this strength-based creator as this guy who can mm -hmm. kind of strong arm people and get into position if they yeah. can leverage that more into easy opportunities for him then i think it's very clear like it just again it depends if that's something that is an area of focus and if they want to mm. give him more opportunities as a post player because if that's possible then yes let's run with it that's that's going to be an incredible kind of and an area to double down on kind of like i mentioned with pascal where it's like look the mid-range area was something he was really yeah. uh proficient in last season let's double down on those things and if exactly. for for the post play if og can do the same then hey sky's the limit man exactly and then you think about again like if they're going to really expand their offense and we talked about Pascal Siakam's uh, corner three point percentage, yep. not bad from there. How about we run some empty corner stuff for OG? Let's see him get some actual space around him to create. And then he can just bully people. He can uh, make those kick passes to the people in the corner, get the defense moving. Like that's where we're really talking about how he can elevate his game and his numbers is that what are, what is he very good at? He's extremely strong and he can like just bulldoze through people and uh, he's very good at it. And also he can, make the right pass and make the right uh, reads in those moments, right? Pascal Siakam in the corner, he can hit those shots. Like this is how you help a player reach their ceiling and improve their numbers. And I think, again, the, the roles aspect, right? This is how can you get OG there? Um, he's very close. I, I see, you know, in between the in-between game, the mid-range, that's one of the hardest areas to score in the mm -hmm. in, in basketball. Um, I'm sure he's going to keep on working on that, but like skewing his percentages more towards threes and just rim attempts, ball handler in the pick and roll, screener in the pick and roll. Love seeing that. Talked about it with OG, Pascal, Scotty Barnes, more pick and roll. It's going to help all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm just excited to see more pick and roll with this team in general. Like, yeah. can we just get a little because that is that is the bread and butter of any NBA offense mm. nowadays, not running it as much as you didn't run it last season. Sure. It was going to it was going to hurt your half court offense. And obviously there were 26 last year. There's a reason for that. You're not running pick and rolls as much. It's it's going to be hurting your 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 play. Right. So. Definitely. All right. Three more names. 
Gary Trent Jr., Presh Lachua, and Chris Boucher. Let's go with Gary Trent Jr., dude who people are already trading, who have been trading all season, all off yeah. season, and maybe maybe it was close at times. Who the hell knows? But he's uh, he's in a contract year last season, 18 yeah. points per game, career high on 41% shooting, 15 field goal attempts, 38% from three. He was 41% on catch and shoot threes, 42% on two-point pull-ups. For comparison, Bradley Beal, 45. Right. Gary Trent Jr. is 23 years old, and he's at he's in that kind of status, and 34.6 on three-point pull-up shots. Gary Trent Jr., what's going to change for this man? Similar to Fred, I feel like his role is going to be changing a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, I'm not sure to what extent, same like Fred, I'm not sure how much they're going to change his role. And again, you know, we started this podcast at the top talking about the uh, ambiguity of the starting lineup, and we mm. don't know who's going to be starting between Precious and, and you know, Gary. But I do think there's an opportunity there for him to be a more efficient player. And the reason I say that is because I think, you know, obviously with the additions of Otto as a spacer, with, uh, you know, Scotty getting more on-ball reps, I think there's room for him to just take better shots. And if sure. those better shots, um, you know, fall like they did last season, then there's more room for a, a, a better, more efficient season. The the question I have with Gary really, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to be like, look, Gary needs to be better at getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. I think that's an area of growth, and I'm not sure if we'll necessarily ever get to the point where we're saying, mm. okay, he's... He's a good rim finisher, but there are, there are moments where I think he could be a better playmaker and he's had stretches last season where he was somewhat of a sufficient playmaker. So if he can double down on that and kind of hone in on his playmaking skills, then I can see maybe his assist numbers going up a little bit. Yeah. And that's an aspect that I'd, I'd like for him to grow in is, you know, being more of a playmaker, especially because mm. he is one of the only guards on the team. If he can, if he can be a playmaker, then now yeah. you have this this third guy, this fourth guy that can be somewhat of a ball handler for you. So, mm. Yeah, he's a 6'5", but similar with OG at times in the paint, like he, he doesn't look 6'5". He looks like he's 6'2 or 6'3". He doesn't really have the confidence. Uh, the footwork, which is incredible on the perimeter, doesn't translate necessarily um, around the rim. And that's okay. That's an area of growth. Like I said, 23 years old, lots of time for him, but that is a a huge different difference maker in him, you know, reaching his ceiling and becoming like a true bonafide, like 20 plus points per game score, right. On a better percentage, 41% isn't great. Right. And I think he's going to take less shots, probably similar to Fred. Um, the efficiency hopefully goes up because he's going to be getting cleaner looks right? and the yep. man can hit the hit shots. We know this he's been doing it for a long time. He shot 40% from three in January and February. I don't see why he can't shoot 40% from three this upcoming season in the variety of forms that he does it because he's still going to get his opportunities as a pull up three point shooter and transition. The catch and shoot is going to be there. I would love to see him be a little bit more into the pick and roll. Again, we keep on talking pick and roll, but there was a moment in the Rico Hines run where he was running a pick and roll with Pascal Siakam and Gary made this pass to Pascal at the three-point line and Pascal hit the catch and shoot shot. Um, yeah. Would love to see more of that kind of stuff if, as you said, he's showing that he can be trusted with the ball. That would be a huge step for him, a huge boost for the Raptors offense, right? 
Um, I love the vision that they have when it comes to like the reading, reacting and having so many guys that could be a ball handler in the pick and roll. It's really mm-hmm. creative. You can, you can attack mismatches. You can really do some funky things, but you got to be able to execute as well. And him not being able to get downhill as well is a factor, but him being able to play make out of the pick and roll would be huge. I could also see them using Fred and Gary more as a screener. Uh, you know, we talked about the ghosted screens a little bit. Yeah. But like, that's something they went to a lot in the clutch mm. last season. So maybe that's a way to kind of, hey, you know, use them as the role yeah. man, so to speak, you know, yeah. popping out to the three. Uh, I think that's kind of an interesting wrinkle here. And look, sure. it's a way it's a way to get your guys downhill also. It's like, look, yeah. You can get Scotty downhill, you can get OG downhill, you can get Pascal downhill, but also you have these guys who are spreading the floor for you and being these screeners pop out like a Gary, like a Fred, maybe exactly. OG, maybe even an Otto that can space the floor for you a little bit. So that could be an interesting wrinkle to add too. Maybe more of that, right? Yeah, for sure. And the mix is what you really want to see with this offense is that it's less isolation heavy. And then you can use some of these guys like Gary and, and Fred as decoys. You can weaponize their three-point shooting. Um, they used to run a lot of Iverson cuts for Fred uh, back in the Kyle Lowry days. I would love to see that come back. I would love to see them run some flare screens for some of these guys because they can get the shots off so quickly. Their footwork is so elite around the three-point line use it right use it and show us uh, show that you're you're really in, uh, crafty with your your offense and so it's yeah. not as predictable i still think isolation it should be a, a huge part of the raptors offense it is part of their ethos and they have guys that can do it but keeping the defense honest is also very important and keeping them guessing when it's very typical that's when things do slow down and that does happen in the playoffs but it doesn't have to be so predictable yeah and the pull-ups are going to be there Love yeah, his pull up. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I think I think he's going to end up shooting more pull up shots. I just it depends on what scenarios and what lineups he's in, right? Like if yeah. he's if he's going to be your six man off the sure. bench, then he's probably going to be taking a lot more pull ups uh, and a 100%. lot more situations and pick and rolls because he's going to yeah. be running bench lineups. But if he's with the starters, then you could see more catch and shoot opportunities, maybe more opportunities for him as like a release valve, attack and closeout. So like, mm. yeah. Those are the ways to do it, but I'm, I'm not sure. It's just, I'm really excited to see what happens on Sunday, to be honest with you, because it'll be a little bit of an insight into how this team is supposed to look. Yes, it's preseason, yeah. and yes, they're not going to play their starters 38 minutes, but it's a little bit of an insight to kind of just gauge what what the difference is we're looking at here yeah. for this season. And the players that we do see, they are still going to be running the Raptors offense, right? Yeah. So again, we're going to see like, what kind of shots could they be getting? Uh, imagine this is Fred Van Vliet instead of Malachi Flynn, or this is Scotty Barnes instead of Delano Banton or whatever. Like that's the stuff you can actually look at because the plays are going to be the exact same. Yeah. Uh, okay. Bench guys. Well, maybe not bench guy for Precious Achua. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the post all-star numbers for Precious and Chris. Let's start with Precious. Post All-Star break, 24 minutes per game, 12 points, 46% shooting, 39% from three, 5.7 rebounds, 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. I think if he repeats that, we're in pretty good shape. And the minutes may go up, so perhaps we see some uh, you know, 14 points, 13 points at times. Maybe he has a few breakout games. I think the goal still will be to, you know, take some of the pressure off of Pascal, OG, and Scotty in terms of minutes. And Precious and Chris Boucher, they're going to be trusted to be those guys that can do that. Yeah, he's he's going to be a guy that will have to rely on 
his athleticism a lot this season. Yeah. Um, and I think that just comes down to being a release valve for the offense if he's on the starters or even if he's on the bench. It's like, look, uh, an action happens on, on the strong side and like it gets it gets thrown to him on the weak side, attack the closeout, yeah. and then try to finish at the rim or create for another guy. I yeah. think that's a typical offensive possession for Precious. And obviously mm-hmm. the jump shot is something that's ever-evolving. If it sticks, it sticks. Sure, let's keep rolling with it. But I, I think one of the big things for me is like, look, can he be a little bit more concise with his actions? I think we saw that throughout the year where it's like he was lost in the wind for the first yeah. 41 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second half, it's he was so much more decisive. He knew what he wanted to do on a court. And I think that was huge. I listened to his um, scrum a couple of days ago in BC, and I just love the way he was so sure of what he – like it was like a switch went off in his head. And yeah. the way he was talking is just like, yes, I, I understand who I can be now as a basketball player. It really helped me out in that second half to be like who I can be. Sure. And, you know, he mentioned the all defense stuff. I could see the defensive numbers going up a little bit more. Um, But I think in terms of offensively, it's just having a more efficient season. And that comes down to him being a little bit more concise, a little bit more decisive with his actions on offense. And I think that's possible. I think what he showed post all-star break is exactly Mm -hmm. the type of player that I'm explaining right now. Concise is a good way to put it. Um, Cause I think sometimes it got a little bit scrambly and like the being able to read the second level of defense, knowing yeah. where the low man's going to be. He struggled with that a lot, which is okay. I mean, like Joel Embiid blocking the hell out of him a couple of times during that 76er series. Like that's okay. That's part of his transition into understanding how to read that level of defense and when can a player get there and can he, you know, take two dribbles, three dribbles and still finish through contact, that kind of stuff. That is all part of his maturation. Um, I just love the idea of him, as you said, be more concise with his offense what are you going to do you're taking the shot if you're not are you going to attack the closeout are you going to be able to find the open man when you do decide to go one-on-one is it in transition do you actually have space around you do you really have space because he can do it he showed us that he has that ability to you know attack players on the offensive end around the free throw line extended area he can do it sometimes but one of the right times to do it. And I think that's his decision-making. That's like the next step of his process as an offensive player. And then defensively, holy smokes, like he could be the guy closing for the Raptors sometimes. He could be the guy guarding LeBron, guarding KD, that kind of stuff. I think Nick still wants OG to be that guy, and rightly so. But if the switch happens, you're not concerned. You're like, you're not worried. Yeah, Yeah, this is okay. And that is a huge asset. I think the biggest part that you just mentioned to me that kind of caught my eye is like, look, we we know that with Scotty increasing his role, with Pascal having more on-ball mm-hmm. reps, with OG potentially having more on-ball reps, whatever happens with Gary and Van Vliet, I'm pretty sure you can imagine those will be around the same of what yeah. we saw last season. With Precious, there's not going to be many opportunities for him to try and create his own shot. And I think that's something that's okay, because in this stage of his development, it's like, can he be good in this small role offensively and make the most of his chances? So, look, it's it's totally possible. I think it's something that we saw with Chris, which we'll probably talk about right now, was he had to find a way to be effective in the Mm. moments where he was asked to be effective. It's not... It, you don't have to be that 20 point per game score that whatever amount of game score you just have to be right in those moments that sure. they need you 
uh, yeah. in the possessions that they need you. So it's it's kind of similar between Precious and Boucher. It's just that Precious is obviously younger, and I think in terms of development, he's much further along yeah. than what Boucher was at his age. So, and I, I'm I'm capping it at Precious and Chris Boucher off the bench because I think those top seven are going to be the guys that are going to play the bulk of the minutes. Like Otto and Thad, um, they're old. Sometimes Nick Nurse is going to call in old for Thad Young, right? That's going to happen. We don't know how things are going to go for Otto Porter Jr. yet. There was a lot of uh, rest days for him with the Golden State Warriors. Is that going to continue or was that just because it was his first season back after, you know, a long absence? And obviously he had a huge role in the playoffs or did they conserve him for the playoffs? And then after that, it gets pretty murky. Donald Banton, Malachi Flynn and all the yada, yada, yada. There's no point in projecting these stats. Right, because it's just yeah. it's not gonna it's yeah. not gonna be um, a great sample. It's gonna be like size. five six minutes a night for those guys. Yeah, and like right for for Otto and for Thad. I imagine they probably like look. We saw Precious is twenty four minutes. He probably ends up at around the same. Boucher probably ends up at around the same. You yeah. can see Thad and Otto splitting twenty five minutes you know sure. 26 minutes yeah. so they're they're each at like 13 14 15 mm. minutes a game and that's kind of what you get who knows maybe auto's role increases and like you know he becomes that eighth guy i could totally see that happening too but at the same time you're right they they rested him yeah. he rested back to backs in golden state so right. there's there's no reason to think he's you know not going to do the same here yeah and i'm just looking at his age he's 29 still Right. Yeah, so he's, we, he's a younger guy. He's a younger guy. He's yeah. still young, right? Like he I just mean, has a lot of miles on his body and also injuries on his body. Um, so it's just a matter of like getting mm. him right. Um, and who knows? Raptors training staff, medical staff is obviously top tier. So yeah. maybe they have some plan in order, but exactly. It's very simple with Precious and Chris. Um, do you have anything else on Precious that you want to mention? Or is that not necessarily? It? No, I think like I guess the one thing, and I, I see it here, but it's like, yeah, being a little bit more of a pick and roll, just being better in the pick and roll, but just yeah. learning learning your timing on the pick and roll, figuring out your spacing on the pick and roll. That was something that really struggled in the first half yeah. of the season. It got better. It definitely got better as the second half went on. But just like spatial awareness, figuring out where you have to be on offense is something that's ever evolving again with Precious. So we'll see what happens there. Pick rolls are hard, man. It's going to be easier for Christian Coloco to find his groove there because he's seven one with a seven five wingspan. He's a big, big dude, mm -hmm. right? And that alone is going to make it easier for Precious Tachua. He's like six eight, six nine, maybe. Um, learning like the timing and the rhythm of a pick and roll and having that chemistry with the ball handler, very hard skill to get when you're not like that big person, you know, like a seven footer, you know, it does influence things a little bit. It does make it a little harder. Your timing has to be so precise to actually yeah. get an advantage out of it, right? Like, are you getting too close to the screen or are you like making that contact with the ball handler? Are you turning at the right time? Are you actually finishing your screen? Are you exploding to the basket? All the like, little things are incorporated into being like a good screener. Right. And there are people that laugh about, oh, this guy's a good screener. Ha 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 ha. No, it's a talent. <laughs> it's a talent. <laughs> do you think do you think we see Coloco play more minutes at the start of the year? And then once the G League is off is off and running, then we see the minutes that Coloco was playing kind of be divvied up by uh, oh, Otto and, and Thad. Cause like, man, remember what know. happened with Delano last year? Remember yeah. what Delano started, you know, he played about 10 minutes a game and obviously that was out of necessity with Pascal out and et cetera, et cetera. But maybe we see something similar with Christian where it's like, he plays, he plays five to six minutes, maybe 10 minutes a night yeah. for the first 10 games of the season. And then it's like, okay, thank you. Appreciate it. We saw what we saw, you know? 
man, I go back and forth with this all the time. Like I could see a case where he actually could have a role. Like he could yeah. be a backup big for the Raptors. Um, with Delano Banton, it, it was a little simpler because there just there were skills that other players had that Delano had, so they didn't need Delano Banton. Christian Coloco has skills that the Raptors don't have. No one has his rolling ability, his lob ability, his shot blocking ability. Size, yeah. His size, like nobody has that. He could actually help. He really could actually help. If he has a very small role, do these three things as we talk about defined roles within the Raptors offense, he could actually be a pretty reliable piece at, at points. Maybe not early in the season, but you build him throughout the season. And, you know, come March, April, he could actually be a player that you bring off the bench for a small fraction of time. And he's just doing his thing. I was watching a clip yesterday of uh, of him on YouTube and he was going doing some one-on-one drills against DeAndre Jordan and Thomas Robinson. And it's those players. I get it. But the shots he was taking, his footwork, how low he was getting, his athleticism as a seven-footer really does show. And DeAndre Jordan, like, I mean, he's not the same player he was, but that's a no. big. That is yeah. a big, right? Yeah. And he was blocking the bleep out of him at, at yeah. points, right? Right, right? You don't tell me you can use that. And also, as he improves his hands, his touch gets better around the basket. You don't think you would love to be able to just for a Fred Van Bleet? dump it off to Christian or run a pick and roll. And there's Christian seven, five. Coloco. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. Seven, five wingspan Coloco right there. Like that is easy offense. Think of some of the best pick and roll combos we've seen in the NBA. Like mm-hmm. there is something there with the Coloco who, who's so explosive and so long, right. as long as he continues to develop. So it's a long winded answer, but to, to put it all concisely, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, but I, I want to believe it. it. I want to believe it. it. I get it. I, I'm not sure either. And that's why I asked. I, I think that, yeah. you know, to your point, it, it's a wait and see game. Who knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh, preseason will be revealing. We want to yeah, see him absolutely. at the next step. Right. Um, and we want to see what he worked on. looks like he got a little bit bulkier after summer league, which I'm sure was a little bit probably stronger, the idea. Yeah. A little bit stronger. Um, okay. Chris Boucher, again, going off the theme with Precious Achua, Pulse all-star numbers when he found his groove. Uh, 23 minutes, 10 points. 47% shooting, 32% from three, 6.8 rebounds. I want to point out, though, with the three-point shooting, he shot 40% from three in that six-game series yeah. against the 76ers. So something there, but the word for him, based off of his uh, media day availability, which happened in Victoria, um, not media day, Victoria, whatever, um, consistency. That was the word that he kept on using, and that that really does extend to a lot of different areas, not just one. Yeah, I mean, the the defensive consistency, the offensive consistency, it's like when your shot isn't falling, how are you still going to be an impactful player? How are you still going to be a positive player? All of those are questions, you know, that come with Chris Boucher. I think we saw how he can be a positive player without the shot falling last season. I mean, even when the three wasn't falling as much pre-All-Star break, he was incredible on the offensive glass on some nights. He would be a monster in terms of, Mm. like, weak side rim protection and things like that. Like, obviously, chasing out to the three-point shot is something that he's done a bunch of times. And sometimes he's late on those rotations, but... I think those are ways that he can be positive, uh, is, is be a very impactful defender, be a very a, a guy who can kind of crash the glass for you. Obviously, offensive rebounding is still going to be a huge part of the Raptors' ethos, the ideas yes. of the way that they like to play basketball. Yeah. So Boucher plays a big part in it. I'm going to be honest, I have a small hot take. I think 
Um, no, it is a pretty hot take. I think go, out go, of go, all go, the play, <laughs> I think out of all the players on the Raptors this year, the Raptors bench, et cetera, et cetera. I think Chris Boucher can win six man of the year. Um, mm. it's, it's a hot take. It is a hot take, but it, again, like back to precious, I do think there's something that clicked with Boucher over these last two years. And, you know, obviously he had an incredible offensive season in Tampa. He had a good defensive and rebounding season here. And now it's like, okay, can you put all those together into yeah. one concise season, a consistent season, as you will? Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if that puts him in the conversation for six man of the year because he is going to be on the bench. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think yeah. the other guys will be rotating in and out. So I'm not sure they'll be as eligible for six man of the year. I think Precious will be starting sometimes. I think Gary will be starting sometimes. So it'll be back mm. and forth. With Boucher, he's the consistent six man he or you know bench guy. I think in terms of the lineups that he'll be playing with, he'll be free to kind of be yeah. in the best spots possible. I wouldn't be surprised if he just has an excellent year. It seems like this could be a year where he puts it all together. Yeah. That's the semi hot take I have. I'm not sure if it's spicy, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. And like even last season, he found his groove late in the yeah. year but like, he entered himself into the conversation in terms of being on a ballot right like that's all i'm, I'm not saying like, yeah. a, like up there but he got there because of the season that he had and the difference between precious and chris when it comes to this category and i hear what you're saying about the starting factor that's a huge one too is that chris knows exactly who he is going into the season and precious yeah. because he's still young and he's evolving his game like we don't really know that yet but figuring chris, it out yeah. He knows exactly who he is and the cutting the, the sneaky upside. I, I'm curious about this upcoming season is like his diving to the rim and attacking mm -hmm. closeouts. I wonder he's getting a lot better at reading that second level of defense much, yeah. much better. And if he's able to hone in on that, like he can score the ball. He showed it. He showed it at many different points. G league, the Tampa season, the three point shot. If it does come back to a respectable number league average or so um, he can put up a lot of points in a very small amount of time. Very small. And because of Absolutely. his offensive rebounding, right? Um, those are buckets that he's just getting on his own. And then the cutting ability, um, his timing now with his offense is much, much, much better. It's light years ahead of pressure that you I'll put it that way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is what we're talking about is that he just knows what he has to do at each moment. And offensive that's so awareness. Valuable. It's, yeah, it's the spatial awareness that we talked about with Precious. It's like, look, these are uh -huh. the things that Precious needs to improve on. Well, Chris has improved on that, and he yeah. it has gotten better. The 45 cuts were something that were really, really fun to watch last year. Sure. You know, Scotty attacking the basket, Pascal attacking the basket, and then they have this dump-off pass for, for Boucher, and yeah. it would be, you know, some kind of and-one finish. It, it happened a lot last year. So uh -huh. I could I could totally see that being – you know, a source for him, uh, for, for points. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure what we'll see exactly from Chris. It's always, he is somewhat still a, a mystery box because, you know, consistency is such a big thing with him, yeah. but if he can stay consistent, then mm -hmm. we know, you know, he's put it all together. Sure. For anyone curious, hustle play is coming back this upcoming season. Just so you guys know. Hell yeah. Haven't done an episode in a little while, but it is going to be coming back. Um, nice. Hoping to do one um, for sure in October, and we'll see what happens after that. Breaking news. Call it that way. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a lot of fun. Him and Mike are, are terrific together, and yeah. their banter is – Chris is hilarious. I'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's Absolutely good. Hilarious. He, he's, he's great at the media stuff. He knows what he's doing. It's good. Yeah, he does. Okay. Uh, final thoughts? Anything that comes to mind for you, sir? 
it's going to be a fun season. Uh, oh, excited yeah. for it. Uh, I think, you know, last year, just to give you a little tidbit, the Raptors were the only team that had all five of their starters average more than 15 points and have... I love that stat. I love it. Yeah. Say it louder. <laughs> and have and have 20 plus percent usage. Yeah. There's a pretty good chance that that also happens this season. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe there's a sixth guy that gets added in there between Precious and, and Gary. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Question mark, question mark, question mark. But we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm excited for this season. Excited for Sunday too. Game one of preseason. We will check in after that on Monday. But everyone, um, the Raptor season, it's here. It feels good to be back. (laughs) It feels good to be back. Here we go. All right, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Happy Friday. We'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, us. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.